0: The Southern Baptist Convention held their annual meeting a couple weeks ago in Nashville, Tennessee. One of our pastors got to attend and he came back with a report. Let's listen in on this special edition of the With All Wisdom podcast. Welcome to a special edition of the With All Wisdom Podcast, where we are applying biblical truth to everyday life. My name is Derek Brown, and I am Pastor and Elder at Creekside Bible Church here in Cupertino, California. And I'm here with Cliff McManus, who's pastor teacher at Creekside Bible Church. And in this episode, we are going to discuss Cliff's recent trip to the Southern Baptist Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. But before we do, I want to point your attention to Withallwisdom.org, where we have a large and growing collection of resources to help you grow in your walk with the Lord Jesus. We have audio, we have articles, and we just encourage you to check those out. Some are longer, some are shorter, some are more devotional, some are more um, theologically substantive, so we would just encourage you to check out those resources to help you grow spiritually. So, Cliff, uh, you and one of our staff members went to the Southern Baptist Convention last week, and you came back and mentioned to me that overall you were very encouraged, but that it was also helpful to go in person in order to get a firsthand account of what's happening in in the SBC. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Derek. As you said, I was able to attend, along with one of our staff in Nashville, Tennessee, the 2021 annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention, June 15 and 16. I'd never been to uh, an annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention before. Our church just became Southern Baptist in the last couple of years here. So even though I've pastored at Baptist churches before this first time, uh, formally affiliated with the Southern Baptists. And so, for the past two to three years, I've heard a lot about the Southern Baptist Convention. They were in the news a lot, especially in this last year. Most of the topics that were in the news were of a controversial nature, as you know. And so, basically, all I've been hearing for the last two to three years are negative things about the Southern Baptist Convention. And mm-hmm. uh, most of this information, I didn't have firsthand knowledge of it, and so I was dependent upon others, as were many of us here at our own church. And so there were questions swirling around, and I found out in the immediate Christian community, among our members and other churches in our area, and uh, brothers in Christ at the seminary we work at, they had the same questions. And the big question is, what is the status of the Southern Baptist Convention Right. in light of all these things that have transpired in the last two to three years, and if I could distill it down... I'm going into this Southern Baptist Convention the first time I've ever been to one. Didn't know what to expect. The only thing I took with me was all this hearsay and expectations, most of it negative. Mm -hmm. And if I were to summarize it, here were five of the recent issues uh, that had arisen in the last couple of years about the Southern Baptist Convention and the status. Number one, the Southern Baptist Convention was imploding Beyond repair, I've been told that time and time again by some I would say pretty influential resources mm-hmm. and when I heard it, I believed it, and I've tended to believe it for the last year and a half, two years, last time I heard that so the Southern Baptist Convention and Southern Baptist churches they're going down number two southern and this is related the Southern Baptist Convention is abandoning Sola scriptura or their commitment to the priority of Scripture, the inspiration of Scripture, the authority of Scripture, the sufficiency and inerrancy of Scripture. And that was a common theme of what I was hearing from many people. Uh, And then you recall that in the last year, the big controversy about someone thrown out there, the possibility that Beth Moore could be nominated as the next president of the Southern Baptist Convention. I remember hearing that. Yeah, and that was in all the headlines, and people were talking about it. And in the context where I heard it being discussed, I believe that, wow, this is maybe this is legit. That was my takeaway. Wow. And um, then another issue that arose, primarily out of the last Annual meeting of two years ago when a resolution was proposed and passed by the Southern Baptist Convention that was related to CRT. Yep. And there were people talking about that and a buzz about that and some up in arms about that. And I remember some pastors telling me, but can you believe they adopted a resolution about CRT? I didn't know what CRT was. You're right. So can you please explain? Is that an acronym? Is that stand for something else? Oh, critical race theory. Oh, okay. So then, I had to begin doing research as to what's that all about, and still a lot of people don't know what that is all right. about. But anyway, and then finally, most recently, actually, you forwarded me an article by Russell Moore um, of the Southern Baptist Convention's uh, Ethics and Public Policy on Liberty arm or commission a position that he's served for years, and he basically wasn't a resignation letter, a very lengthy yeah. resignation letter that was leaked and. Um, that became controversial, even though Russell Moore had been a source of controversy or a lightning rod the past couple of years in the Southern Baptist Convention, probably because he was portraying himself as maybe a whistleblower on some things mm-hmm. or a critic from the inside. Right. Um, so those were the five biggies. So if you take those five together, well, my takeaway was, wow, the Southern Baptist Convention is a fractured mess yeah. and on the brink of self-destruction. Right. Um, so, I want to talk about some of those issues and particularly get your feedback. So, then I go to the convention and I spend two full days at the convention with almost 16,000 delegates or members um, doing business at the convention. And then my takeaway was I was very encouraged by the experience and most of the concerns or drama, or whatever else that I had heard prior to that, I didn't see it. I didn't see unity and fracturing. I saw uh, a lot of unity around central themes of Christianity, Mm -hmm. and so I walked away very encouraged. So I'll talk a little bit more about that as well. But So when I came home, I just felt like God had put it on my heart that, you know, I need to share my firsthand testimony, because other people were doing it. People were writing articles and blogs and you see things on YouTube uh, and and reading all kinds of information. So I wanted to have my say because I didn't think my perspective was necessarily getting airtime hmm. as it should because it was a radical change in terms of my perspective about yeah. what I was being told and then what I actually saw firsthand. So yeah. that was kind of the goal uh, on this podcast today to, in a special way, encourage our listeners as to a firsthand report from someone who actually went to the Southern Baptist Convention yeah. and maybe can relate some of the highlights of why I found it to be very encouraging. Uh, so, Derek, let me ask you a couple of things. Probably the biggest dark cloud over the Southern Baptist Convention going in, and uh, m- many news outlets were talking about this, was the critical uh, the Southern Baptist Convention's stand on critical race theory. Yeah. Because two years ago, they did adopt a resolution that in the wording said that the Southern Baptist Convention would consider critical race theory, CRT, as an analytical tool Mm -hmm. by which to use it as a paradigm to study, research, evaluate uh, race and race uh, relations and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Although in that same resolution, it did start out by saying that the Scripture is the authority, the sole authority and sufficient. So the two went together. Mm -hmm. We are still committed to Scripture as the sole authority, and at the same time, there's that little clause about that CRT is legit as a study Mm, tool. Right. And hence, that created the Fisher or just huge division. Yeah. And um, I I know you've uh, researched a little bit and done a lot of reading on critical race theory and racism. You even preached uh, a sermon in the past year on race and what the Bible has to say about race. So maybe in a nutshell, what are your thoughts on CRT, critical race theory? Because what I found is that most Christians I'm talking to, they don't even know what it is. They can't even begin to define it. Yeah, And that's how I was like two and a half years ago.
0: Yeah. And I think it, it almost defies uh, easy categorization and definition, although I will offer a definition in a moment, but it does. And even looking at um, an article by a gentleman in, who specializes in this area, uh, Devin Carbato, he's writing in the Connecticut Law Review. He even uh, concedes at some level that it is hard to define and that it is difficult to draw the boundaries um, succinctly around CRT. Uh, but nevertheless, I do think you can, you can say it this way. Uh, CRT, critical race theory, is viewing our relationships socially through the lens of power dynamics. So, you have the uh, those who are in a position of power socially Typically that would be whites, and then you have those who are in a position of um not having the same power and authority, and that would be typically people of what they call people of color and due to that structure that um, st- the way things are structured in in our current society, you can view and understand why there are inequities and between races because you're viewing it through this lens of power there are some who are the what they would call the oppressors and there are those who are the oppressed and it's no longer so much an issue of actual written law but now much more even pervasive than that it's it's even although we we, we would say we don't have explicit racist laws that we did prior to the civil uh, rights acts um, in the 60s, even though you no longer have those things on the books, you still have what critical race theorists would say, racism everywhere, or just racism as, a, as, as normal. And I'll just read you a brief quote here from a uh, book called Critical Race Theory by Richard Delgado. Uh, he says, um, one of the basic tenets of critical race theory is that racism is ordinary, it's just, it's normal life, the usual way of do, uh, we do business, the common everyday experience of most people of color in this country. And so, wanting to understand that reality and how it plays out for those who would be in that uh, oppressed group. It's not, I would say it's not merely an analytical tool because, and I'll just mention a couple more things and then I'll hand it over to you, but uh, it is... Grounded in a worldview, it's grounded in questions of who we are, what our identity is, um, what is essential to our nature, what is our nature, um, what is our ultimate problem. Why don't we relate well? Why are there people who are oppressed? Why are there oppressors? Um, why um, is why does racism exist, and how can we um, remedy that? Those are all issues related very clearly to worldview and to identity and to human nature. And as we've talked about on this podcast before, Scripture speaks to all of those things. And so, we can't just see this as a neutral analytical tool. We have to see that it is uh, exploding with worldview implications. And there are insights, of course, because of God's common grace, There, I would say that there are insights that CRT offers that are true. Here's, here's an example. Uh, a theme of critical race theory is that The social construction thesis holds that race and races are products of social thought and relations not objective, inherent, or fixed. They correspond to no biological or genetic reality. Rather, races are categories that society invents, manipulates, or retires when convenient. And even in my sermon you mentioned, I stated that clearly, that biblically speaking, there's one race. It's the human race, and there are different ethnicities. There's no biological superiority between any uh, two groups of people, regardless of their color. And so CRT would affirm that, and we would affirm that too biblically, but that's not all that it affirms. And so we need to be careful that we understand it biblically, recognize that it is a worldview, and that it is uh, pitting uh, groups of people against each other, and and not it it is it does have some insights that are helpful, but in the end, its solution is not the redeemed and regenerate heart who now loves God, loves God and loves neighbor. Uh, it is, the ultimate solution is uh, economic liberation, um, social liberation, and so on, where we would say that what ultimately ne- needs to happen to the to the human heart is that it needs to be changed, it needs to be born again, it needs to know Christ in order to love God and love neighbor. And that is the ultimate solution to any kind of racism. Um, something Racism is something that we would clearly uh, reject and Christians must reject, but there's only one solution and that would be the gospel.
1: Amen. If I could summarize what you just said, thanks for sharing that. In keeping with what you said, would you agree then that critical race theory, I think that was an important distinction you made, it's not just an analytical tool, which would be like a screwdriver in the toolbox. Right. But rather it's a worldview, mm-hmm. which is it's the whole toolbox.
0: Right, exactly.
1: And it is a form of uh, Marxism in that uh, Karl Marx emphasized class warfare. So in in essence, isn't this a manifestation of class warfare? I I would say yes, and I think you see that um, being played out
0: presently. Um, it's not creating unity; right. it's actually creating strong and stronger division, um, and actually I would say inciting hate between groups, uh, which is very sad. Actually, I um, so it
1: is. It's doing the very opposite of the the biblical and Christian ethic. Exactly. And your diagnosis calling it a, a worldview, a lot of people don't understand the importance of what that means. Mm-hmm. A worldview is a comprehensive paradigm by which you read and evaluate and interpret all of life. right? Completely. And when you're talking about a worldview, you always have to look at the origin of that worldview. And critical race theory is a theory. Mm-hmm. It was actually invented by somebody. Right. It was invented by really so-called smart elitists in academia. Right. Uh, and not just recently, it's got a long heritage. It's just been uh, iterated and named different things. Most recently, now critical race theory. But if you look at the origin of who invented critical race theory, uh, to a T, they're pretty much they are pagans. They're humanists. Um, they are. They have a secular, naturalistic worldview. Right, right. They reject the Bible. They reject God. They reject biblical truth, the gospel, Christ, everything that is important to our worldview is categorically set aside. Right. So, the foundation of their worldview is completely contrary and an enemy to Christianity. Right. And that's the rock bed of critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Why in the world would Christians be wanting to adopt that? Right, right. And trying to integrate it into a, a Christian worldview, you right. can't. Right. Um, but it is a very complicated uh, ideology and a lot of confusion surrounding it. And I think, so, the big deal was that the Southern Baptist Convention two years ago in uh, 2019, there was a resolution... I was not there, but I've read the resolution. I think it's called Resolution 9, uh, where it adopted critical race theory as an analytical tool to be used. And there was some debate, but not much debate, not thorough debate. And a vote was made, and in hindsight, apparently the vote was made in light of a lot of ignorance on the part of the delegates who were there. They didn't understand it. They didn't know what critical race theory was. It was a new thing. It was, yeah. And so legitimate debate and explanation wasn't given to it. And so... Uh, a lot of people, in hindsight, are saying that you know what I thought critical race theory was about was just being against racism, right? And if you if you are not for critical race theory, right. then you are a racist. Yeah, nobody right. wants to be called a racist. Right. So that's really the nexus of the issue.
0: Yeah, and it polarized people, unfortunately. Yeah, there are people who really did care what what Scripture said about these issues. Yep, who saw that racism is wrong, it's sinful. Yep, and yet. They would say that, and then all of a sudden, they're labeled as a critical race theorist. It just became confused, unfortunately, and clarity was lacking. So, very polarizing.
1: So, we had two years for people to get clarity on, okay, what exactly is this critical race theory stuff? Mm -hmm. And so, the truth surfaced as it always does, and God brings clarity to his people as he always does, and that comes through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and teachers that he's given to the church. And so, the good news is, uh, as I was at the convention, they came up with a new resolution. It's called Resolution 2, and it's on the sufficiency of Scripture for race and racial reconciliation. And the way they do things, you can't really just uh, undo a resolution that was done previously, like it never existed. But you can make new resolutions to override Mm -hmm. previous resolutions that were illegitimate or uh, such as Resolution 9. And so, here's the new resolution that they proposed and that was actually voted for and will now be current, and it's encouraging, it's long, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just maybe two of the sentences here, uh, and th- really this was written to counteract CRT, okay. critical race theory being Im- implemented in the church, and it says, whereas all scripture is inspired by God, and is profitable for teaching, rebuke, correction, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, Second Timothy 3.16, and that, and that all scripture is totally true and trustworthy, resolved we therefore reject any theory or worldview that denies that racism oppression or discrimination is rooted ultimately in anything other than sin and be it further the only solution to that is the gospel of jesus christ right. so it doesn't mention critical race theory but that was specifically written to critique undermine and reject Critical race theory, right. and not just critical race theory, all theories, uh, even in the future, mm. uh, that would impinge upon the authority of Scripture. So, that was a good thing. Yeah. That was encouraging.
0: A re-emphasis of the sufficiency the of Scripture. The sufficiency
1: scriptures. of Scripture, and which takes me to my greatest encouragement and takeaway from the Southern Baptist Convention. There's a lot I could say, but the main thing is after sitting there for 15, 20 hours, time and time again, leaders of the Southern Baptist Convention got on the stage representing their respective areas of ministry or committee that they oversaw. And the exaltation of Christ uh, happened time and time again. The authority of Scripture, the inspiration of Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture, the inerrancy of Scripture, that was the common theme. Mm -hmm. Uh, The glory of the gospel, the mandate to be the church and to advance and proclaim the gospel to sinners everywhere across the world. So, they were laser-focused, and it was a time of worship and time of prayer. And the entire. Conference, even in times of discussion and debate over some of the wording of these resolutions, was done with tremendous respect, with humility, uh, with complete unity. And so, overall, it was completely encouraging. And so, firsthand testimony that, from my perspective, the Southern Baptist Convention is not fractured beyond repair. Hmm. It's not close to imploding. As a matter of fact, God did some very good and unifying and exciting things at this convention and brought clarity to several of these controversial issues that have been stirring in the pot the last couple of years.
0: That is really encouraging. And just a kind of a side lesson, how important it is to get first-hand accounts rather than just relying upon second- or third-hand accounts.
1: Yes, we we call that today the fake news. Yeah. A lot of it. And that was also one of my bigger takeaways. Uh, the fake news I'd been reading and hearing and saying that just wasn't true. As a matter of fact, when we were there at the convention and we voted for the new president— mm-hmm. And I'm looking through all the headlines, and there's all kinds of headlines from <laughs> CNN to even Christian outlets yeah. who have headlines that just are not accurately representing the very convention that I am at and wow. are participating wow. in. Wow, what a good lesson. And one of them had a p- it, it's just a divisive headline mm-hmm. based on the, the vote of the new president, and it wasn't true. And then the picture that went with it was a picture of Mike Pence standing behind a pulpit. Hmm? And uh, regarding the vote of the Southern Baptist, most recent vote of Southern Baptist Convention uh, manifests further fracturing in the denomination. And then there's a picture of Mike Pence with the article. So, as you're reading this, the implication is Mike Pence was at the Southern Baptist (laughs) Convention spearheading the divisive vote. And and the Southern Baptist (laughs) Convention was made up of... Trumpsters and Mike Pence and wow. conservative Republicans versus the moderates and the liberals wow. on the other side who didn't vote for either Al Mohler mm-hmm. or uh, the pastor from Georgia that was running as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so me and uh, my colleague that were with me, we saw that headline and we're just laughing yeah. and crying at the same time. Right. It was yeah. so pathetic right. Right. and so fake and yeah. really behind it all, I always have to remember that it, Satan is real and he'll use anything to stir up division in the Church of That's Christ. Right. Well, thank you very much, Cliff,
0: for that encouraging conversation. Again, this was a special edition of the With All Wisdom podcast. And as we are leaving you, we just encourage you again to go to withallwisdom.org to find a large and growing collection of resources to help you grow in your walk with the Lord Jesus. We'll see you again next time.